Ernst Sheet had claimed that the poll was fraudulent. He said he would leave if the Electoral College certifies Joe Biden's victory. You're listening to the news on RTHK. The Argentine football star Diego Maradona has been buried next to his parents on the outskirts of Buenos Aires in a private ceremony. Earlier, fans lined the streets to wave their hero goodbye as his funeral cortege journeyed through the city under police escort. Tens of thousands of people crowded into the city centre, queuing for hours to file past Maradona's coffin and show him their respect. At one point, hundreds of fans broke into the presidential palace, forcing the authorities to remove Maradona's coffin to another room. This fan spoke of an acute sense of loss. It's it's the only one who actually made all the country proud, no matter what political orientation you have, religious. He came from nowhere and he put our country in the world. And it's it's a terrible loss and he will be remembered for, for, for ages. Saudi Arabia says it's begun a criminal investigation into corruption amounting to more than 325 million US dollars. Here's the BBC's Sebastian Usher. This is the latest wave of the anti-corruption drive that the de facto Saudi leader, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, has promised to carry out. It began in the most startling way with the arrest of hundreds of the country's elite in 2017 who were rounded up and held in the luxurious Ritz-Carlton Hotel. Now, a new litany of cases has been announced involving the ministries of finance, health and education. But by far the biggest is at the defence ministry, with almost 50 suspects accused of fraud and exploiting their position for illegal profit to the tune of 1.2 billion Saudi rials. That's the news on RTHK. Welcome. This is Backchat, a shortened version of Backchat just uh, this morning between now and uh, 9.30. Following that, uh, phone in by the Chief Secretary on the uh, uh, policy uh, address. Uh, we uh, are looking for your emails now, backchat at rthk.hk, the usual address, backchat at rthk.hk. We'll try and uh, integrate them into the programme. We want to hear from you. Uh, as we talk further about the uh, policy address uh, and also what we've just heard the uh, Chief Secretary say, we had a lot of uh, discussion, a lot of it focusing, uh, interestingly, on uh, housing, on land supply, and in particular the uh, Land Tower Tomorrow Vision, as we've been hearing uh, in the news then, we've been hearing over the uh, past hour. Uh, if you want to comment on that, we want to hear from you to uh, uh, email backchat at rthk.hk. There's also our Facebook page. I should say, uh, during the phone-in, uh, we, we do give priority to uh, phone calls um, just to, to make the programme work better. So there were a few uh, emails that were addressed to uh, Matthew Chung. Uh, I'm sorry, we, we, we won't be incorporating those, or maybe we can work in some points. Anyway, talking over the uh, topics, uh, we're joined now by Vera Yun, who's a lecturer in the Faculty of Business and Economics at the University of Hong Kong. And uh, Andrew Lang is with us, an international and independent China strategist, former Director General of Social Welfare. Uh, comment from... Uh, yeah, we've got a, we've got a few comments... Uh, as I say, some related to uh, Lantau and so on. Uh, Andrew Kay says the Chief Secretary is appearing to give his views on questions. We are not interested in you and your co-host trying to push your opinions and forcing words into his mouth, <laughs> uh, says Andrew Kay. Thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, Andrew Lang, um, what do you make of the policy address? What were the highlights? What do you think were the key points for, for you? And, and will it 
restore confidence? Will it reset Hong Kong? Well, when I first read the um, comments, uh, the first comments in the press, uh, both local and international, um, I was struck uh, by the fact that, A, uh, sort of people um, expected there's going to be a magic wand and it's going to solve everything. Um, and then people expected some very bold, um, eye-catching uh, initiatives. Um, and then there was a, 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 a some uh, concentrated on the idea uh, that, well, it's a collection uh, of various um, measures, you know, adding up to I don't know how many pages, you know, maybe over 30,000 words, uh, without addressing the kind of fundamental um, issues uh, that have grabbed Hong Kong uh, uh, over the past uh, decades, uh, particularly the political issue. Um, the, as someone mentioned in the call uh, just now, um, inequality. Um, and of course, uh, I think that this is a little bit unfair, if I may say so. I mean, perhaps this is my own way, because there is no way. Uh, look around the world. I mean, there's huge um, uh, social and political division. In the United States, do you expect a new administration would just wave a magic wand and solve all that? Um, but I think that um, if you look at the policy address, there are a number of very critical issues which need to be addressed um, in confronting uh, all these fundamental issues. For example, housing, for example, youth, for example, jobs, uh, for example, businesses, um, innovation. Uh, and, and the um, future pathways for Hong Kong. Now, um, it, it, the, the problem is that you have a lot of uh, individual, minor, uh, relatively uh, standalone uh, initiatives. It's just like a mosaic, all these little pieces. Um, but how are you going to connect everything into a coherent whole? And, and then if you do, uh, for those who do, um, then a, a kind of general picture would emerge. But, for, but in order to, to, to appreciate the opportunities, you need two things. Firstly, you've got to understand Hong Kong's position. I mean, it's a lot of wishful thinking. Um, for example, over the past couple of uh, years, that Hong Kong could become somehow completely separated from the mainland. Um, if not economically, at least politically, uh, this is unreal. Because, I mean, um, if Hong Kong is, be, is, is, is being uh, extracted, uh, an island, uh, put in the middle of the, uh, the Pacific Ocean, you think Hong Kong could thrive without the connection let, with the mainland? Let, let me put it uh, on the centre. Yeah. I, I think a lot of setting aside the, 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 the problems that have arisen from COVID and the pre-existing problems and so on, right. a lot of this, what, when you're talking about relaunching Hong Kong, a lot of the, what you're addressing is what happened last year and the consequences right. of what happened last year. Right. But I, I mean, but isn't what happened last year, when it comes down to it, a, a, a question of the administration uh, trying to launch the anti-extradition uh, uh, legislation because it, as it, as Karen Abb admitted, she mistook, they underestimated, mm -hmm. they misread yep. the pu public sentiment, the public course, feeling yes. towards towards the mainland. Yeah. And it seems that all they've done, arguably, is to double down on that, is to, people were worried about mainlandization 
and so they've introduced ten times more mainlandization. <laughs> is that going to be any solution, or is that going to make the people of Hong Kong more concerned and less confident? Well, you, you, you put your finger uh, on one of the critical issues in this kind of, when I talk about the mosaic and the general um, vision, uh, if you connect the dots all together. Uh, the other problem, which I, I like to highlight, like, is, is, is also it's kind of misconception. It's a kind of maybe lost um, kind of sense of identity, you know, where Hong Kong should stand, uh, because Hong Kong cannot be completely sort of independent uh, from the motherland. Um, the return of sovereignty is a reality, and Hong Kong has got to be bound by China's constitution. But yet, there is another system across the border, and yet, and on the other side, there are the two places are increasingly interconnected, presenting a lot of opportunities. Now, one thing which which I like to, to stress, which is not mentioned um, so far, even this morning, is the capacity of the young people to take advantage of it. Okay, even though they, they buy. Um, the, the fact that their future lies across the border in the Greater Bay Area, do they have the capacity in the sense that, well, they may say, oh, I have got a technical skills, I'm an engineer. Do they understand um, uh, the, the kind of um, uh, economic, uh, social and political environment uh, across the border? Uh, do they understand what it takes to do businesses, uh, to startups uh, across the border? Can they compete? Uh, with the very dynamic young people. I've met a lot of young people from, from the mainland um, in my uh, you know, past 10 years or so after I've left the government, both here and in London. Um, I met a lot of people from the mainland who have been to Harvard Business School. I myself have been to Harvard, so I know, um, you know to, for, what, where they're coming from. And they, of course, understand what's, you know, the, the Chinese dynamics. They speak beautiful English. Uh, a lot of them even speaking but English um, than a lot of people in Hong Kong. Um, can they compete? So I think that this is the, the first of all, is the political um, understanding uh, of what Hong Kong stands for under one country, two systems. There is a lot of misconception about that. Somehow Hong Kong can be entirely separated. Uh, the so-called water, uh, river water, rain, uh, well water don't mix together. That was the, the, the mantra immediately after handover. Now it is no longer possible both economically, financially, and politically. Okay. Uh, uh, let, yeah. let, let, let's bring in uh, Vera Yoon from the uh, Faculty of Business and uh, Economics. Um, you, you were listening uh, at the University of Hong Kong. You, you were listening to the Chief Secretary talking about the um, policy address over the uh, past hour. What, what did you make of what he said, and perhaps particularly on Lantau tomorrow, which clearly is an issue that concerns a significant number of our listeners? Yeah, um, for tomorrow, Lantau is the single most important achievement of Carrie Lam. So achievement, it, it hasn't happened uh, It has yet. not happened. She wants it to be it. She wants it to be an achievement, um, <laughs> the major achievement in her whole tenure. And it is going to create a lot of land for Hong Kong. Uh, but there's a problem with financing. So I think she's still, you know, working on, you know, what are the ways to finance it, whether it's private public partnership and all these things. Um, and then, but if you look at housing policy, which many of um, Hong Kong residents concerned with, because I've been following it for like many years, every year, I mean, I read uh, similar bullet points and they are going to appear again next year. They, they're still investigating it. And also, um, 
I mean, she basically said she solved the house, or she claimed she solved the housing problem. She said, we've found enough land now to solve the housing problem. Well, um, the number she claimed um, has met the long-term housing strategy target. Uh, but then, you know, these kind of number, I have a colleague, he made a spreadsheet and tried to count how many units of housing lag behind every year. And there's a consistent lag every year. So for the numbers that were given by the government, I, I mean, I always take it with a pinch of salt because like um, after you track down the number of houses they build and also with the number of private housing supply, you can see uh, there's discrepancy. And also we have been um, complaining about housing problem in Hong Kong and the government would always drag the opposition, you know, the, you know, the social condition, people were unhappy and uh, that, you know, put the um, whole solution to the housing problem to a halt because, um, you know, these problems cannot be solved and that's why it's not going to progress. But now there's no opposition. It's all repressed. And also we have this national security law. The government can be more draconian. So there's no excuse for not being able to claim better land in new territories. You can always use national security law to take better land from the landlord. Just well, like, on, how could you use the national security law to take well, better land from the landlord? If they use the threat of any any laws. I mean, Singapore, when in the 1950s, they actually took land from businessmen, say that, you know, you should be patriotic to the, you know, to the nation, and then you should sell us cheap. And then it all, took all the land. I don't think in the, the... Many things have been suggested for the national security law since it came into force, but I don't think anyone's been suggested so far that it could be used in relation well, to housing I, policy. It actually means um, it centralised more authority. <laughs> it has more power. And in the past, it was afraid of the businessmen and also the land owners. Now, like you become a more powerful government, you can make more draconian laws. You can cut down on all the procedures of taking back land. So you're unhappy with the price, so be it. So we will still Xi, take it back. Xi Jinping gave the example of planting a tree as a national security issue. I uh, said all aspects of life, including everyday life, are related to national security, and even planting a tree can be considered as a national security issue. So it, it depends on how you look at it. It's, a, <laughs> it's the whole yeah. paradigm rather than a single law, I would say. So they can use other laws to, and other, other ways of measures. To so what you seem problem. to be saying is that we'll have a, a, a more assertive government, which is, is, is willing to do things it wasn't um, willing to do in the past and not just in the sort of narrow, um, the narrow sense of national security, but in a much broader yeah. sense across all, all kinds of issues. It would be more like um, the kind of government you have in the mainland China. I mean, they could take away a large piece of land pretty quickly, arbitrarily, um, in, in many ways. So um, we can expect that. But the problem is whether they're willing to do it with um, this law and also and, and targeting capitalists to solve an uh, inequality problem. Or whether this is only used to target, you know, young people and, you know, opposition. That's and how far issue. do you think these decisions are actually being made within the Hong Kong government or they're being made by central government um, officials responsible Which for Hong Kong? One? Well, yeah, on things like housing where you're talking about and about more, possibly more drastic measures. Um, for uh, Land How Tomorrow, it has to be um, approved um, by the central government. But what I heard is there's another um, advocacy of, you know, uh, renting or getting the island from Zhuhai or another, another province and try to move the um, uh, port to that island, so to free up land in the center of the city. And that one was being 
um, supported by some landowners and also tycoons, and they have direct access to Beijing too. So it it could be like um, it works both ways, or only one fan will go. So I'm not sure whether it is um, Kerry's plan to um, make land house happen first, so that it became uh, it will become effect a, a effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly, yeah, Hong Kong Foundation are sort of leading lights, aren't they, in promoting um, uh, the Lantau Tomorrow Vision and expanding the Lantau Tomorrow Vision. Remember that 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 uh, that, that was very important. Uh, I think it was quite interesting that that uh, a last one of the last callers raised the issue of uh, the vacancy tax and changing their minds on the, the government uh, was going to introduce the vacancy tax whereby people, you know, uh, developments that were, were unsold and unoccupied, um, there would be a levy on the, on the uh, developers and they changed their minds on that. Uh, again, maybe that's a significant move? I don't know why Not they... to, actually. Well, because they do not have enough legislature sections to pass it and there's no strong um, support for that and, you know, the um, land developers, they they were all afraid of it. I know that some of them already moved mm. ahead trying to, you know, change uh, some of the units into uh, letting out rather than selling so that they could, you know, get away with the tax. But, um, I mean, the cost of holding it and managing uh, it and also the cash flow is kind you of... You raise a good point. The vacancy tax was only implemented as a temporary, I mean, under temporary authority, isn't it? What's it called? Uh, public protection. It's, it's got, you've got to pass the legislation to yeah, underpin so it. it and has they're running passed. out of time for... Um, yeah, in the last uh, legislative section. And we saw that in the, 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 the phoning with the, the chief um, secretary where he seemed to suggest, although he couldn't quite directly say it, that um, more radical reforms like voting on the mainland won't be implemented in the coming year, again just because there's simply not enough time. Well, I don't believe it. And he always says something will not happen and that happened really quickly. So uh, you, you should take it in, in the opposite But does direction. the government have enough time to, as you were just saying, there's, there's, I know they've got a more compliant legislature now, but there's really not a huge amount of time. Is there, um, the they can year? postpone the uh, election again. I mean, well, it's, you know, it's of a turn regime, they can do whatever. So if they're not ready, they would not allow you to have the election unless they can claim victory. Well, know? that's an interesting point. It is actually postponed indefinitely. It's postponed yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's at, a least a year, year, at least a year. At least a year. Sorry. Not for a year, but for yeah, at least a at least year. year. So, Andrew Lung, do you expect to see LegCo elections in the coming year? I do. You do? Um, yeah. As you were just saying, it's, it's not legally required. No, I know. I mean, the, 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 as you said, at least a year, but I don't see why it should be, be postponed. Well, a lot of people um, didn't see why they would be postponed in the first place. Oh, 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 well, I mean, postponed in the first place because of the pandemic and, and because uh, there, there are... Uh, there, well, other uh, other issues. So I think mainly because of the pandemic. Um, but I think the, unless the pandemic all of a sudden, you know, um, explodes again, um, that cannot be ruled out. But I think barring that, I, I don't see why there are any other yeah, but reason the, for postponement. Yeah, other means. Um, um, yeah, other countries, they, you know, offer turn regime. Yeah. They manipulate the election, ban the opposition. There are many ways. So a postponement is only one way of doing it. We, we, so. thought, that we yeah. thought that those Democrats would be allowed to return to uh, stand to take part in the LegCo, and then they were kicked out. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean... Chief, I mean, the chief executive said right, she they saw resigned. no... They resigned. They didn't... 
They were not picked well, up. No no, the ones, no, no, no. I mean, the ones, the four that were yeah, removed. Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, originally, yeah. the chief executive said that she saw no legal problem yeah. with them returning to, to, to take part in LegCo. Yeah, yeah. And okay, well, I'll, I'll address that so. issue. But I think uh, after I've addressed that issue, there is a much, much more important issue about legit political legitimacy, which is which mm. is uh, un, un, underpins a lot of the kind of uh, uh, misconceptions or, or worries uh, in Hong Kong, uh, uh, with or without the policy address. Um, as far as this uh, disqualified four are concerned, well, let's look at how, why they were disqualified in the first place. Let, let's not forget that they were disqualified well, my, my, before no, well, the... Uh, my, my, right or wrong, my yeah. point was that they were allowed in and then they were taken out, so... Yeah, 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 but, but they were allowed in. And the uh, chief executive even said that her, yeah, her personal view had no, was that they, they should be allowed she to could, stay. She could see she, no legal... Oh, yeah, 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 okay, I'll, I'll address that, that, that question directly. Uh, they were allowed in uh, yes. because there was... Uh, I think that uh, also in consultation with Beijing, then, then that was the, you know, the, 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 the election was postponed. Uh, and then after deliberation, um, Beijing didn't address uh, the specific issue, the contradiction. Um, as you pointed out, they were disqualified in the first place. Why should we be allowed in the first place? So, so you that mean question Kerry wasn't... was wrong, right? Kerry was well, wrong, was against no, Beijing's I, no, idea. No, 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 no. But that was Beijing's, uh, uh, the, in, in the National People's um, uh, sort of uh, meeting. Uh, that question wasn't addressed. And, and then afterwards, Kerry uh, Lam had to pick it up. Uh, because uh, she said, well, I mean, how, how are you going to address this? Because they were disqualified in the first place. And she presented this issue again. Uh, but I think that's not waste a valuable time uh, on this particular thing, because it, it, it is a much, much bigger issue there, uh, which uh, cover uh, this, this kind of um, disqualification and so on and so forth, which is the uh, political legitimacy. Um, uh, as if the Hong Kong government doesn't have a mandate because the, uh, the government is not elected. Now, first of all, uh, let's not forget that universal suffrage was put on the table in accordance with the basic law. Uh, although it's not universal suffrage in a Western model, um, but nevertheless, that's the first thing that we have to remember. But you are the one to say not to go back over past no, issues. No, no, that no, was no, decided no, many no, years no, ago. No. The fact is, it's not elected, and it is extremely unpopular with the Hong Kong I know, public, I know. Uh, no, let me finish first. Yeah, let me finish. I'll explain, okay? Because the time is running out. Yeah. Um, first of all, uh, let's not forget that um, uh, universal suffrage was not included in the Joint Declaration. All right, you can check that. Uh, it was included in the, um, the basic law at the initiative of Beijing. Basic, basic law is a Beijing's law, all right, at the initiative. However, on condition, on condition, because of the, the kind of lack of mutual trust, that the candidates need to be discreet. Now, we know that that's not democratic, but I think that I don't think that um, uh, Beijing would like to copy 100%, because uh, this is, again, this is a kind of one-size-fits-all kind of mindset. Um, that everything um, is, is uh, you've you got to follow the single model. Uh, so this is Hong Kong. This is the kind of universal suffrage okay. uh, that Beijing would allow. But that was thrown out. Sorry, we have, uh, we've got some emails uh, as well. No. I, I would like to share. So, do, yeah. I think we have sort of, uh, yeah, slightly got a little bit off topic. Um, uh, let, let me just share. The, there is a very long and detailed email from Mary. Thank you very much indeed. It was specifically directed towards the Chief Secretary, but it's so long and so interesting. Uh, uh, I'd just like to try and uh, summarise some points that, that are made because they're worth sharing. And I'm sorry if I mangle it uh, horribly, uh, Mary. Uh, she's concerned about the increasing 
extremely large numbers of tax revenue being allocated to NGOs. Uh, she cites in the policy address um, quite a few uh, cases where uh, non-governmental organisations have been given money, $100 million there, uh, $3.3 billion there. Uh, uh, this is, includes the Community uh, Care Fund, uh, Ocean Park, $100 million uh, for the Home Affairs Bureau to subsidise NGOs to implement youth entrepreneurship projects uh, and so on. And Mary asks, why are so many projects being allocated to NGOs instead of professional firms with experience and track records in the sector? Can the Chief Secretary pledge there will be full disclosure with regard to NGOs receiving government largesse and that there will be an effective and impartial complaint mechanism to ensure that our tax dollars are not squandered? Uh, Mary says the suspicion is that many of these NGOs are vehicles to provide employment for those district councillors who were kicked out of office last November and other pro-government supporters. That is from yeah, Mary. Uh, Thank you very Mary, much. You know, I know you're uh, and sorry, and, and let's squeeze in one from John, uh, who says, uh, uh, looks like no one understands the problem of Hong Kong is a fake economy. The cost of living is super high, but salaries are kept artificially low, uh, so to help the big bosses. The government is constantly looking for land to build public housing because people can't afford the rent. Is this the solution? Or maybe we should look at the fake economy that helps the few. Lantau tomorrow, yet again, a gift of the, gift of the developer that are the actual controllers of the government. Who are the 1,000 allowed to vote? Let's face it, the boss of Carrie Lam is not in Beijing, the boss of the seven families that control the city. Just a few moments ago, if necessary, Matthew Chunk explained it again, vacancy tax is not necessary now. Sure, developers are only making millions and not billions now. Poor them. All this is an absolute joke. Shame on the incompetent government, shame on the Hong Kong people that went against the wrong enemy for over a year. That's from John. Vera Yoon, can you comment on our listeners' um, a very interesting suggestion that um, uh, money's been given to NGOs and uh, the suspicion that it may be to support uh, defeated um, district councillors? Um, I wouldn't have this conspiracy theory. I would rather say the government always want to intervene into the market. I mean, those guests out if they're vacant, they can be, you know, um, rented out to at a lower rent to already Hong Kong citizens. And by paying um, rent subsidy to people living in subdivided unit that already helps them. There's no need to get it through the first sector so that the NGO has the power to distribute um, the flats to the people. I think it's actually more inefficient. Okay, and you're, you're, you generally, you sound very pessimistic. You, you, you talk repeatedly about an authoritarian government um, when you're talking about the policy address, just as a matter of fact that you regard Hong, uh, Hong Kong government as an authoritarian government. As being classified by international um, database, um, you know, cross-country, they give it a mark and Hong Kong is authoritarian because it does not fulfill the minimal democratic um, requirements um, of political scholar. Okay, Andrew Lung, we've only got a minute or so left, but you're shaking very your head quickly. very vigorously. I vigorously. Very quickly. disagree because quickly, only though. about two weeks ago, there was an international um, uh, survey, I think um, um, hosted by the United Nations, the so-called uh, world um, kind of um, uh, freedom, in freedom, okay? Freedom Index, ranking all the countries in the world. Hong Kong is very top, and those only happened two weeks ago after the introduction it's of the national It's only one measure law. of regime. It's only one well, measure of regime. It measures um, check and balances on well, the executive, okay. um, institutions, rule of law, all these things. Hong Kong does not classify well, as well, a democracy. Well, I mean, there are different, different ways of, 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 of classifying things. If you listen to maybe the Secretary of State of One Nation, uh, I mean, you know, anything that doesn't conform with well, the international Scholars agree that it's not a democracy. Uh, but anyway, let's look at the United Nations, okay? I mean, you, you can discount the United Nations. Um, so I think the danger is that we are all 
have a one-sided kind of uh, um, one-size-fits-all mindset. Where is the world? Is 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 is, is, is and I, I always my favorite example is Caravaggio. Um, it's uh, the, the 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 difference between Caravaggio and Monet. I like Monet more than Caravaggio. It's not everything is just in black and white. No, it's just I'm saying yeah. um, where it sits at the spectrum. Yeah. Okay, and it's oh, 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 okay. oh, one, one thing. Um, there are countries in the world which are very democratic. Yeah. Okay, and very well governed. Uh, for example, I like to mention some Scandinavian countries, but there are countries which are very democratic, but not so well governed. I wouldn't mention which big country in the world. All right? <laughs> and there are uh, countries which are not so democratic, but much better governed, according to the Harvard Kennedy no, School. I'm just talking about the regime classification. I'm not yeah, really thinking well, with governance. Well, I know, but, but, but it's the same kind of mindset that if everything measured against one yardstick, whether or not no, it's two dimensions. Very well governed. Okay. The, 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 the question about legitimacy. If the country or the place is well governed, in spite of the lack, or relative lack of democracy, then you have legitimacy, right? Okay, I think we're going to have to draw this discussion right. to close and invite our guests back, perhaps on another day, <laughs> to have a debate specifically on this topic. A very interesting discussion there. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much indeed. We heard that from uh, Andrew Lang, International Independent China Strategist, former Director General of Social Welfare, and Vera Yun, who's uh, a lecturer in the Faculty of Business and Economics at the University of Hong Kong. That's it from Danny and myself uh, as well. Many thanks to all those involved in the production and the uh, Chief Secretary's phone-in uh, this morning, uh, especially uh, Angie Man and uh, Noreen Mir. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, one more comment, this is from GT, who says, uh, as Hong Kong becomes part of the one country, one system, I wonder if after the CCP virus is over, if permanent Hong Kong residents can freely travel, work, and retire to the Greater Bay. That comes, uh, as I say, from uh, GT. Uh, just before we go, the weather then. It's going to be fine and dry today, slightly cooler in the morning. Temperatures up to about 26 degrees during the day, fine and dry in the next couple of days. Temperatures falling progressively. 22 degrees at the moment. Relative humidity is at 71%. It's 9.32. The news now with Samantha Butler. The Chief Secretary, Matthew Jung, denies the government is using the lack of opposition in LegCo to force through controversial policies, such as its Lantau Tomorrow vision and voting rights for Hong Kong people living on the mainland. He was speaking on RTHK during a phone-in program on the Chief Executive's policy address when a caller said the government should only be dealing with essential matters when there was, as he put it, a lame-duck legislature with no electoral mandate. President Trump says he'll leave the White House if Joe Biden is officially confirmed as the next president by the Electoral College, which meets next month. Mr Trump's comment in response to a question from a reporter is the closest he's come to acknowledging his election defeat. And the Argentine football star Diego Maradona has been buried next to his parents on the outskirts of Buenos Aires in a private ceremony. Earlier fans lined the streets to wave their hero goodbye as his funeral cortege journeyed through the city under police escort. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the university. Set and costume designer, interpreter of Beethoven. And by oh so shy, quiet and retiring doggy council co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for kids. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. Decipher what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In-depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Well,
welcome to Friday. Yeah, <laughs> good to be back with you. I'm Phil Whelan. This is the Morning Brew. Tell you what we're going to do at 10.10 today. I'm going to find out who actually won the 2020 Adventure Cleanup Hong Kong Challenge. I've been following this one from the start. It's a big deal. Organiser Esther Rolling returns for one last time to tell you who kayaked, swam, climbed and abseiled their way to collecting the most trash from some of the most inaccessible parts of Hong Kong's coastline. We're not just talking Mr. Juicy boxes here. Fridges, etc, etc. Well, at 11.10 today, Danny Hicks brings you this week's Sports and All. He's going to talk about tennis, rugby, Premier League and, of course, the death this week of a footballing legend. It's Friday, that means it's Marshy Movie Time after 12. Join us on Facebook Live throughout. (laughs) 